Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel. I am the host of this show where I speak with Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path to the games. Pretty darn cool. Today we have Lucas Kaczynski of USA Shooting Discipline Rifle. Lucas is a super cool dude. He's been doing a lot of stuff. He uh, explains the sport of shooting, how it works. He also goes into what the college lifestyle was like and how he was able to navigate that as well as going to the Olympic Games in 2016, ending up, hey, 21st in the world. Not that bad. Um, Lucas has a business that he does as well, just to try and make a couple dollars on the side. So it's a very interesting story, what he has going on and ways that we can help him. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. All right. Today we have Olympian Lucas Kaczynski of USA Shooting Discipline Rifle. Lucas was born May 31st, 1995 in Metairie, Louisiana. Say that right? Correct. I love it. Wasn't sure how French it was, sorry. Uh, started shooting his freshman year of high school and a year later earned a trip to the United States Shooting Junior Olympics. National Junior Olympics, absolutely insane, so we'll get into that part of his story. He is a recent graduate from North Carolina State Wolfpack where he has a degree in sports management and where he shot in college. He was named an All-American while at NC State and was invited to the NCAA Rifle Championship. He then qualified for the 2016 Olympic Games and ended up finishing 21st in the world, which is, as I told Lucas before, absolutely incredible. So, Lucas, we appreciate you spending some time with us today, man. Thank you for having me on. No problem. We uh, thank you for all the uh, energy, time, money, blood, sweat, tears you put into representing our country. So, Lucas, if you don't mind, that's a very short, sweet synopsis of your life to this point. Something tells me it's a little bit more interesting than that. So, if you don't mind, um, I guess starting from the beginning, all the way back in Louisiana. Sure. Um, so, I was born in Louisiana, but I have not spent that much time there. Uh, my dad was in it was in Marine Corps. He served for 30 years, and I was born in between two different duty stations. And so, it was pretty much touch. I came into this world, moved on to the next duty station. And, um, you know, since then, we my family moved around the country a lot. And we lived everywhere from California. We went to Norway and Scotland when we were kids. And, um, Eventually, I ended up in Virginia, um, and so when I started when I started high school, my parents said, "Find a sport, any sport." And I saw the rifle team and said, "Wow, this is going to be a cool thing." I I think I'll go check out the interest meeting. And I showed up late, and the coach gave me a quick, stern lesson. Uh, I I figured out later that he was a another combat veteran, um, and. I just fell in love with that kind of character, that kind of environment and culture. I'm like, yeah, I want to do this. Uh, showed up to the interest meeting, didn't do well at all, but I, you know, I became, I was, I did it safely and I got my equipment, just had fun with it for the first year. Um, and I heard this thing, junior Olympics, and that became a goal. And then after my, my dad got deployed to Japan in 2011 and he said, just take it as far as you go to see if you just see where you go. Just don't, don't put any expectations on it. And I quickly went from the last place person on my team to the first place person on my team and helped with, with a group of my peers to elevate both the team and individuals to higher success. And we, and that continued on through my high school career. Um, eventually college teams, uh, I was able to reach out and kind of get some interest from them. I settled on NC State because I really liked the school. I liked North Carolina, the feel of it. Um, and you know, it turned out to be a very good, very good decision in hindsight. Uh, my freshman year of college, it was, it was kind of like that sophomore year feel where 
Um, it's like, you know, what? I'm just going to no expectations. I'm going to take it as far as I go. I can and see where I go. Um, I broke all personal records. I was training more. I took things more seriously. I matured as a person. I went to junior Olympics again. Um, and I made the both finals. So that's the top age in, in uh, both air rifle and small bore. Um, and I didn't outright make the junior team at the time, but I was nominated to the team. And later that summer, I earned a spot to shoot internationally at the last world championships, which was four years ago. Um, and that was a great eye-opening experience for me. Uh, when I came back, I struggled a little bit with mental management and stuff like that. But uh, it was a, it was still a great learning experience through those years. And starting in my into my junior year, it was okay. I'm going to push hard. It wasn't for the Olympics. It wasn't for NCAA's or All American. It was just to prove something to myself internally. And it was just I'm going to I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be the best I can be and crush souls and represent NC State as best as I can. And uh, one thing led to another. Uh, within the year, at my junior year, I became an All-American for my school. I went to NCAAs. I shot at a World Cup in Thailand, and I participated in Olympic trials where I eventually earned a spot on the team and got to compete in Rio. Um, and after Rio, I finished out my senior year as more of kind of like a leadership standpoint of, you know, what skills can I get back to my team? Uh, and then over the course of my senior year, I figured out like, hey, I really want to do this outside of college. And so uh, my then girlfriend, now fiance, and I moved out to Colorado Springs after we both graduated. And um, yeah, we've been out here for about a year and a half and life's good. Love it, man. That is absolutely fantastic. I broke down in Colorado Springs on my journey across the country once. It was a very nice place. The Supergroup dealership, yep. was they were very nice people. Um, <laughs> no, but that that is awesome. Thank you so much for really getting into that with us. I, just, I think it's, so in every story, pretty much, there is always like a one moment kind of thing. And yours was your parents or your mom just saying, hey, you have to do something. Just go find something you might be interested in. And you're like, okay, cool. Oh, hey, this looks interesting. And you take it up. And, and I always love connecting the dots backwards to see, well, you were a, a freshman in high school, just randomly joining a meeting. You were late. You could have easily just been like, hey, this guy sucks. I don't want to do anything with it. Clearly, he was a pretty big figure in your life. From there, you then eventually make it to the Olympics, which is, in my, in my opinion, just absolutely incredible. So we appreciate your, um, you, you representing our country. And I just think I, I always love hearing these stories because I think that they're all super unique. And there's always a few different moments in there that it could have went completely different, but clearly yep. yours went in the, uh, let's call it the right direction. So um, let's go back actually to, to your freshman year of high school. And you kind of just started. And as you said, a year later, you were then at Junior Olympics. How did you do that, man? Like that is, that is insane. Being able to quick, either take it up that quickly. I'm assuming you've had, you've shot a rifle before that moment um, right yeah like I had some firearms experience but you know with the background of the military we went from anywhere from California to Louisiana to Texas you know we lived all over the place and all of the as you understand all the gun laws are different mm -hmm. the opportunity throughout my life was very inconsistent so when I when I laid down to at the I guess the tryouts for my high school team my freshman year it was like oh well this is this is pretty cool um, I can see how I could be good at it. Like I could see off into the distance, like there's potential there, but I didn't, I wasn't there right now. So it's was like, okay, I'll get there eventually. That's, that was a thought that I had. And, and, you know, with a little bit of, well, actually with a lot of discipline and a lot of patience and you train smartly, you can get to where you want to go. And this is true for all areas of life, whether you're pursuing school or business or whatever. 
Hundred percent, man. Couldn't could not agree with you more. Um, I like your 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 way of setting goals that you kind of alluded to a little bit earlier, as well as just kind of having that mindset. I think that is um, absolutely fantastic. But what what do you think contributed to you being able to blossom so quickly? Pretty much going from let's call it, you know, five percent, ten percent, fifteen percent, whatever, to then being able to again make the Junior Olympics literally just three hundred sixty five days, give or take, a year later. Um, probably accepting failure is probably the biggest one. So especially, well, actually I'll make the allusion to, uh, to basketball. So when you're, when you're playing a game and a penalty is made, it's like, okay, you got to go th- show, shoot a free throw. There's a lot of pressure there. It's pretty easy to hit a free throw, but when it matters, when there's a lot of significance on it, it's hard to hit it. And so when you're making that comparison to like golf, bowling, the technical sports shooting, um, the tasks in themselves are pretty easy but the mental fortitude, I guess, that develops behind it is something that needs to that that needs to be grown and fostered. And so, when people they say like they take a bad shot, they feel like they negatively reinforce something. Um, but the ones that separate, you know, the vast or the I guess the average to the people who really excel at those sports, or even like in other places like golf or bowling, um, they're okay with it. They take it as an opportunity to learn. Um, so like for me, if I took a bad shot, it's like, oh, what was the wind doing? Or did I just pull the trigger wrong? Was I looking at it wrong? And if I can, if I identify it as something that I did, that's okay. I just take accountability for it and I just move on from there and fix it for the future. And then all of a sudden that where I want to be and where I'm at shrinks until I'm at where I want to be. And then that moves. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Very cool. Very cool, man. I like that a lot. So what do you, do you do anything specifically to I guess, increase your mental fortitude, be it um, visualization tactics, uh, meditation, anything along those lines to kind of just try and strengthen that part of yourself? Yeah. So like visualization is a really good tool for people in any aspect of their lives. And whenever I talk to kids, you know, school is a very relevant thing for them. And so having them visualize a good test score is one thing, but having them visualize them taking the test well is another thing. And so, um, you know, this is, this is where, like, this is my opinion on visualization. You have to imagine everything. First person, third person, omniscient view, whatever. Um, and you just got to have the entire environment in your mind. And so when I went to Olympic trials, I've been to the range before. I knew the people I was going to compete against and I knew what I was going to do. I just visualized every angle that I could and, the outcome came as I thought it was going to, um, you know, it doesn't always happen that way because I can't control what other people do, but I controlled how I performed and visualization was a very strong tool for that. And, you know, imagining every angle of whatever scenario you're going to move into, I like to call this tool. And I got this from a good friend of mine. Uh, it's called naming the story. So you want to achieve something, you name that story, you give it a title, you give it a meaning, and you visualize yourself doing it. And so all of a sudden, this this thing that you can foresee has a purpose, has a value, and you you reinforce it. And it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that the more you think about it, the more it just continues to grow and foster, and your self-image and your confidence boosts immensely. So that's that's my little tool, I guess, or one of the many tools I use to prepare myself. So. Love it, man. Thank you very much for, uh, for giving us a little, um, 
a little crash course, I guess, and what it, what what you have to go through on the mental side, especially when you need to, as you said, really have a, an, an increased mental fortitude because you know how to shoot a gun, right? Like you know how to hit a target, or, or you know, we'll get into the specifics, I guess. I don't want to sound too silly, but <laughs> at some point, like yeah, it does definitely come down to the the mental aspect and the very small, minute details that you have to make sure you're doing correctly. Um, I yeah. think that that's really cool. And name the story. I really like that. Like Lucas's time at Olympic trials colon he wins kind of thing like i, I yeah. don't know how corny you like to get i like to be a little more corny kind of but uh um you know i, I really like that i think that's really cool i actually want to start doing that so so you go from high school you, you're crushing it you're going to the uh, junior olympics you then pick nc state as your college um you said you really like north carolina you like the feel of the school what about like are they nationally ranked when it comes to shooting was that a huge was that a huge um portion of your decision was that a big impact on what you wanted to do considering they are division one I know in the other major sports but I don't I don't I'll be honest I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to schools and their shooting programs so if you don't mind uh, letting us in on that well like um you know in all sports the geopolitical power whatever of the teams change every year but at the time of my freshman year college NC State was ranked 16th uh there's 32 teams uh 33 if you count some teams have two teams depending on co-ed and women's teams mm-hmm. and there's some stuff with that but there's 32 schools that have teams and NC State was right in the middle and when I saw that um, I found an opportunity for myself to contribute to a team that that um, n- not needed help but maybe wanted to excel mm-hmm. and wanted to be better um, and so and this kind of goes back to like my, one of my core values is really giving back to people and giving back to community. Um, and so like when my high school team and I was giving back to them and helping them coach, uh, coach younger shooters, um, I looked up to where I wanted to be and it's like, okay, four years from now, I want to be in the same position at university. I want us to be successful there. And I felt that NC state was a good avenue for me to do that. Um, and when I got there, it's like, I didn't, you know, there's, a, there's always ignorance for people who don't know what the other side of the curtain looks like. And so when I got there, um, you know, NC State, they're a strong, they were a strong team and they're a much stronger team now. Um, but at the time, it's like they were better than I was when I walked in. I didn't have a whole lot to contribute. So I went from contributing as far as like an information side to it to a more of a score side. So I trained hard and, and that was kind of the draw of like, okay, I'm going to become a better athlete so that I can better my teammates. And so then there's, and there's that whole self-fulfilling mm-hmm. prophecy kind of thing uh, come together. Um, so that was that was one of the drives to, to NC State where it's like, okay, there's a lot of opportunity for me to, to grow this this team as 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 myself or I can contribute that way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, no, that completely makes sense. And I like how you kind of um, put that on yourself a little bit to just make sure that you're increasing the value of others while increasing the value of yourself. And as you said, it's kind of like a, it's a loop, you know, the more you do one thing, the more this other thing will happen, which will make the first thing happen even more. So I always like something like that. So was shooting one of the biggest um, criteria for you picking a school or was it on the list? And if you liked another school more that didn't have a program, considering there's only 32, it sounds like in the nation, um, would you have potentially chose somewhere else or was shooting kind of, were you dead set on making sure you did that in college? Um, well, you know, I, I wasn't dead set on it. Uh, my, my fiance and I have been together since sophomore year of high school. And so there's really three criterias for, for me to go to college was 
I want to shoot. That'd be great if I could, but I want to stay close to her and I wanted to find a way to serve my country in some way. And so from Virginia, there's, there's only four places to do that. And that was West Virginia university, uh, the Naval Academy, uh, Virginia military Institute, and then NC state. Um, and then, you know, for each reason I wasn't able to go or I just didn't feel like it was the right place or whatever. And, um, when I went down to NC state for my visit, I guess spring of my senior year, it's like, okay, this, this makes sense. You know, there's other places where I could do the same thing and maybe be successful, but NC state just kind of felt like it was the right place in the, in the right time kind of thing. Love it. Love it. And congratulations to you and your now fiance. Um, Thank you. Very excited to hear hopefully a way we'll, we'll get, we'll get to that part towards the end. All right. <laughs> um, so, so you're at NC state, you become an all American while you're there, which is absolutely incredible. You're invited to the NCAA rifle championship during this time. The Olympic games are also coming around. So mm-hmm. um, tell us about, I guess your first international meets maybe how they differed from NCAA meets and what you kind of were able to learn from each of these experiences, obviously then culminating with potentially not culminating, obviously, cause we're still going, but at the time culminating with the Olympic games. Yeah. Um, so like sticking to domestic NCAA play. So the shooting community is a pretty small community, I guess for like the competitive shooters that do the international rifle side, there's only a couple thousand people that do it. Um, so we've, we know each other. So when we go to, like, I went to NC State, there's somebody from my team that went to the Naval Academy or somebody else that went to Ohio State. And we would see each other two or three times a year. And, you know, we just kind of talk, catch up, whatever. It's very casual. And then we go, it's like, oh, I'm going to kick your ass today. It's like, okay, yeah, you better. Or you try. Um, and then we would just compete. Uh, when I went to my first international competition, it was my first experience shooting next to somebody that didn't speak the same language as I did. And so that was an eye-opening experience because it's like, wow, there's all these different cultures that are doing the same thing that I'm doing, but they're doing it so differently. Um, like for the United States, we're so we're very big on. Um, I'm trying to think of the right term for it. Well, I guess we could say it this way, like the mental side of it. You know, our egos, our our mental preparation, whatever. While when I shot next to in World Championships in 2014, I shot next to somebody from China, and when I saw that, when I talk to that person and her what they train. It's like I shoot 150,000 rounds a year. I go through all these different guns. I don't go to school. You know, this kid's 16, but he's an elite level athlete in the country. So he gets paid to do this. And like, huh, there's very different cultures. And that was very eye-opening and, and motivating for me. Um, and so when I got back, um, it was kind of like a, uh, all of a sudden NCAA play became more of a, uh, I don't want to say training tool because it was still competition. It was very important. But for my sophomore year, I was like, okay, I have a different perspective on all this. And then as I became close to junior and senior year, it became less of less of a task and more of like, I'm here to perform. I'm going to put up a good score all the time. And it was just based off of the confidence that I could compete with people internationally. I could definitely do it here in the United States. That's really cool. Um, I personally always love to hear how other people do things that I do um, only because I don't believe I have all the answers. And I think someone who thinks they have all the answers is wrong, I guess, for lack of a better term. I mean, that means I'm wrong in in my philosophy as well. So it is what it is. But, um, you know, it's always one of those things where I always love to hear what other people have to say and what they think, because maybe it's right. 
maybe it's not, maybe I try it out and I like it. Maybe I don't. And I don't, um, don't like it. So I always, um, I think that's really interesting that you, you're able to kind of come to that conclusion of understanding that it's, there's so many different ways you can do it. Um, Mm -hmm. was there anything, I guess, from international competition that you picked up and you're just like, I want to try that and either really liked it or, or you're just like, Hey, maybe this isn't for me. Um, well, maybe, um, and I'll give you, I'll give you example. Please, please, please. So, um, I went to Thailand, the Olympic year in 2016 and there's a, there's a huge sense of urgency and anxiety around this because it was my one opportunity to qualify as an individual for the Olympics because of something called a minimum qualifying score. So I had to go there to get that score and it was a pretty low score. It pretty much is like I had to show up and just be a warm body in the room, but I had to, um, I had to compete that I had to compete there through two conference championships and there wasn't a whole lot of time. We had four days to go to Thailand and come all the way back to the United States between two different competitions. It was wow. a tight turnaround. And so it was, there's a lot of stress and anxiety with that. And when I was going up onto the firing line for competition day, we get 15 minute ciders and you shoot 60 record shots in air gun and it's decimal scoring. And so you have an electronic target, you take the shot and it measures the decimals from the center of the target. So the best target, or the best shot you can take is a 10.9. So it's 10.9 points. If you shoot two 10.5s, you have 21 points. And so when you do that 60 times, you the probably like the, the international standard now is like 628 to 630. Those are pretty high level scores. Um, and so I kind of knew that coming in and I kind of ramped myself up, got a little bit anxious or whatever, and I was out of my zone when I got on the line, there's a very famous shooter in front of me, very successful. Um, his style is very different from mine. And halfway through our preparation time, he just puts the gun down and he just starts taking it apart and he puts it together in a completely different configuration. And he shoots a 631 point something like just something absurd. And he didn't drop a single, he shot only tens. And in my mind, that, that just proves that like that kind of thing, he had such confidence in his ability to succeed that it gave me something to strive for outside of like a medal or like shooting a score. It was like, I could stand up there and take any kind of adversity that I want or that I, that I could. And that's what, that's what this dude did. His name is Peter CD. He shoots for Hungary, very successful shooter. Um, and I just saw, I saw him do this and that just proved to me that like literally anything's possible. If this dude can break down his gun put it back together in less than five minutes and take three shots and be like world record. Definitely. And that's, and he does it is that's crazy. That, that blows my, or blew my mind at, back then. And it really opened up this, this door and it really kind of calmed me down too for the match. Cause I was like, Oh, okay. If he can, if he can do that, you know, why can't I do that? And I, I won't have, break down my gun and I'll still do. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I didn't have a good score, but for me personally, it was a good day. So it was like, you know what? I'm going to take it. It's a, personal victory and I kind of kept you know his example as a lesson in my mind and then we suffered on the way back to the United States on the flights home the next night (laughs) yes I'm sure that was not the most fun especially having to come to this side of the country and not not going to the west coast that extra five six hours is just not that fun um so I guess we'll just we'll just jump right from there so that was the event in Thailand was how you qualified for the Olympics correct it it qualified me for 
Olympic trials, but yes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And then, so then tell us what, and, and you kind of gave us a good understanding of what you did there, but tell us a little bit more about, I guess, then, so you qualified for the qualification round, it sounds like. What yep. was the actual Olympic trials like? I mean, did you did you know all these people? Were these, I mean, it just really just tell us all about what happened there and where it was, I guess. Sure. So um, there's something called Winter Air Gun, and that's at the end of every year, and it's here in Colorado Springs. Uh, and so in 2015, I went and I got second overall. Um, and I talked to the national coach and said, so this was Olympic trials, right? Does this mean I made the team? And he goes, no, there's another Olympic trials in June. I said, okay, is there anything that I need for that? And um, there is a paperwork issue that they said that I already had my MQS and I didn't. So when they said, oh, good thing you talked to us because now we need to send you to Thailand. And so I went, got that minimal qualifying score, came back. And basically what they did was they took the top 10 people from Winter Airgun and they had a redemption match where people who didn't do well at that match or fell outside of that top 10, they could shoot. And if their scores were above that top 10 mark, they were invited. So I think we had 13 men, total men, um, that competed at the June Olympic trials in 2016. Uh, all these guys I knew, uh, I've been competing against them for, for years, um, whether or not they knew me was another story, but you know, they were my idols. Um, uh, they were professionals. A lot of them won quotas. A lot of them won international medals. And so for me, it was, um, I was going up against the immovable objects, but I was determined to move it at least an inch. Um, and so that was, that was kind of the environment I was running into, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then what, what was it like beating some of these guys, some of that you, people that you looked up to, you moved the object. What was that like? And, and when you finally realized, holy crap, I'm going to the Olympics. You know, um, it was, it was a good feeling. It was a good, like self-fulfillment thing, but it didn't really hit me until the last day. Oh, I'll give you a, a, a back, a little bit of a backstory. So there's three competition days and each of those are 60 shots and they're decimal scored. And then there's finals and that's how they determine medals internationally. And so to define the person who shoots the best qualification and final score, they have three of each. So you have a qualification and a finals match every day. And so finals, they take the top eight. Um, and I told myself, I will make the finals every day. And when you, at the time when you went to shoot in finals for the selection match, you would gain points from your final performance. So say if, like the first day for me, I shot a 628.0. It was a pretty strong score. And I went to the final and I got sixth place or not. No, sorry. I got third place. So I got six extra points added onto my score. So I walked away with a 634.0 and I was already seven points ahead against, against the second guy. Um, and that was, that offered, that gave me a little bit of confidence. Like, okay, I'm getting some distance against my peers, whatever. Second day I had a little bit lower score, but I, I got second place in the final. So I got seven more points. I was like, Oh, I'm 12 points away from the next person. And going into the last day, it's like, it kind of felt like where I was in time. I was like, I just need to be a warm body in the room and I just do my thing and I'll be good. And I shot a, a pretty strong score. Um, and it wasn't until like the last 10 shots. I was like, I, I made the team, you know, everyone's looking at me. Everyone knows already. And I didn't even need to shoot the final, but I did anyways. But everyone was like that, that's, that's the guy or that's one of the two guys that's going to, that's going to go. And so that was, that was really cool. I had to really apply a lot of that mental training of like, don't freak out right now. So I finished the match. I put the gun down. 
um, came off and immediately got it getting, started getting handshakes and everything. Um, went outside, called my mom, dad, and my, my girlfriend. And, uh, it's like, wow, this is really cool. And then the, the coach came outside. He said, you finish your match? I was like, yeah. He goes, great. Congratulations. You made the team. Go shoot the final in two hours. And I was like, great. So I got ready for the final. I got second place. Um, and yeah, it was, it was fulfilling. Um, it felt like I, it didn't feel like I deserved to be there, but it felt like I was meant to be there at the time. Um, and yeah, it was a great stepping stone for me and my confidence. Yeah. I mean, I could, uh, I literally actually can't imagine cause I'm never going to be one of the best in the country at anything, but heck man, we oh. appreciate that you are. So thank you. <laughs> but no, uh, on a serious note, I mean, going into that final day, as you said, it was kind of, as you, as you put it, you just had to be a warm body. Did you, did you worry? And, and you kind of brought it up, but I want to, I want to dive a little deeper. Did you worry at all about maybe being, you know, over that confidence line and into cocky a little bit or, or maybe kind of straying a little bit mentally. Cause again, your sport is very technical. And as you said, super mentally charged, I guess. So how did you make sure that you didn't fall over that line and, and go a little too far astray? You know, I actually did hit that line, not on the third day, but on the second day. So I knew that I was several points ahead of the next guy and I was preparing, shooting my cider. So I'm like, you know, I'm doing okay. I think I've got this. I'm good. I took first shot. I was a good deep 10. Great. And then I shot three low nines afterwards. And it was, and that's enough for your points to go from positive to negative. And then I sat there and I'm like, you know, there goes half my lead on the next person. I can't, I can't perform like this. It can't be like this. So I just put the gun down and I stood there on the firing line for about five minutes. And I didn't, I don't remember what I thought about, but whatever, whatever it was, it was like, dude, just do it. Just do your thing. Do it right. That's the big thing. Just do your thing right. And who cares about the outcome? Because it was one of two things. I was going to make the Olympic team or I was going to end up going home to an internship. That was pretty cool. That's it. <laughs> and just okay. like, you know, I'm like, those aren't bad. I'll just, I'll just do it and see what happens. And so that honestly, that kind of helped me with that overconfidence to arrogance thing. Whereas like, if you're okay with the outcome and if you don't pursue one or the other, you'll, you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and you'll perform better usually. Um, and so for me, I had three bad shots in my first four, four targets or first four shots. And when I got back on the line, I just felt like I was stronger and I, started taking a few holds and I put a pellet in there, took a shot and it's like right back in the center, 10 fives. Like, okay, I'm fine. I just need to push through and see where this goes. And so I went through, through the next couple of series. I went back to being on pace to where I normally was like, okay, it's not going to be as good as yesterday, but I'll, I'll end up strong. And then I had a very, very strong last target that um, really pushed me to stay in my spot of that lead. Um, So that was, that was really good too. And that, and honestly, all of that success really came from me stopping and just standing there for a few minutes and just saying, think about the present moment. It's fine. And the outcome is going to be okay, regardless what happens and just being okay with it. Love it. I absolutely love it. I will be honest with you, Lucas. I think going to the Olympics is just a tad bit cooler unless your internship was like going to the moon um, or like, <laughs> or hanging out like in, in a public office or something. I do yeah. think the, the Olympics is just a tad bit cooler, but I'm glad that you had that um, 
let's call it other other option and and you enjoyed it enough to be you know okay with whatever the outcome was so i'm i'm glad that that happened so now i actually want to take a time out and i kind of went we went a little too deep into this conversation and again i'm not the greatest interviewer in the world i'm just trying to have a good time help you guys out a little bit can you actually explain your sport to us if you don't mind and kind of what exactly you do and how it works and um you know you don't have to go too deep you've already actually given me a pretty good understanding but if you don't mind kind of giving us a solid little um you know let's call it a paragraph rundown so we actually understand um what exactly is usa shooting and specifically rifle sure so usa shooting i'll start big and go and go lower love it love it love it so usa shooting is the national governing body for olympic shooting sports and so that can cover or that encompasses rifle pistol shotgun and then paralympic shooting um the rifle or i'll talk about my sport rifle is the only ncaa sport of those three or of the of the four total um and what, when you look up NCAA rifle and you click on images, what you're going to see is you're going to see somebody standing there in a very awkward position, or they're going to be in kneeling or prone. Uh, and they're going to be wearing a suit, a canvas or leather or a plastic, plastic looking suit. And you're going to wonder, well, okay, what's the point of that? Um, the idea is your, the sport is about discipline and it's about ultimate accuracy and you need equipment to get there. Uh, the targets that we're aiming at, and if you have a pencil, I want you to look at the tip of it. So that is the absolute center of the target to earn a 10.9. And so for an international 50-meter target, it is 10.9 millimeters wide. That is wow. how big the 10 ring is. And so literally your heartbeat is the difference between hitting the shot right and having a poor shot. And so having the discipline to control yourself, to have timing, to have mental fortitude, to put the, whatever, it's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And so that being said, we go back to these images of these people, the support is required to get them to that level of accuracy, to get us to that level of accuracy, to hit this thing that is microscopic, that is not even a millimeter wide, um, and to hit that with almost 100% accuracy um and so when we're looking at the sport internationally and we're looking at the level of precision we're looking at the sport that i competed in in the olympics is 10 meter air rifle and so that's measured by decimals um i just got back from world championships in korea and there was maybe a two and a half point spread between the first and second play or if not first second first and eighth place for the for the top eight wow from ninth place down to about 30th there is maybe less of a point and so it is an incredibly incredibly competitive sport um in small bore 50 meters small board or 50 feet small board depending on ncaa or international it's the same thing each each 10 counts um and it's like that thing with the heartbeat if you have a poor shot and you, you shoot a nine I mean, somebody else shot a 10 at the same time. And then you're thinking about wind conditions, lighting. Um, and to, to counter all this too, all of the rounds for shooting are subsonic. And so they're traveling at about 550, 600 feet per second. So when you pull the trigger, you will have a conscious thud before the barrel or before the bullet leaves the barrel. And so having that, the right mental mindset or whatever, if you pull the trigger and you go, that's a bad shot and you physically react to it, you moved the barrel and made it worse. So there's all these extra components that um, that are included with this. Does that make sense? Yes. Mentally, okay. 
no. Like, I understand <laughs> what you're saying, but I, I don't physically understand how you then do it. That's, I mean, just again, looking at the tip of my pen, I hope that's close enough to a pencil. That is, that's insane. Um, one thing, what is subsonic? I actually don't know what that is. If you could explain um, that. Oh, man. Let me, um, it's, Actually, I'm not sure. Is that the speed of sound? I'm not sure if that's. Oh, oh, okay, okay. But it's, okay. it's very slow. So, like a typical, I'm trying to think of another of another round. So, like you look at a two-two-three, um, standard round that very popular for people to either hunt or the military mm -hmm. uses it. Um, maybe four to five times faster than the bullets we're using. Oh wow! So it's. I mean, it's when a, when the for especially when shooting outside and wind conditions are a thing. Um, if it's a, you have a 14 mile an hour wind pushing you to the left, you have to compensate for that because when you shoot the shoot the board, when you pull the trigger, it is being pushed the entire time, and it and it takes time for it to get there. Um, so it it's um yeah, it's very slow moving. Why so, is that? Why do they use such a slow moving um, bullet? I guess. Um, it makes it harder. It makes oh, it harder, okay. and um, ultimately, it's pretty accurate for a 22 rifle. It's or for a 22 bullet. Um, it's very accurate. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. That makes sense. That makes sense. And then I guess one question, which might come off as a little facetious, but I promise I'm not being facetious with, with the heartbeat actually needing to be taken into account. Do you do like immense amount of cardio to try and get your heartbeat as slow as possible? And then like actually figure out when your beats are, or are you just kind of saying like your heartbeat is a something to take, like how, how like, were you being serious when you said something like that? Yeah. Um, so like for me, I work out five days a week mm -hmm. and, and that's just to get my resting heart rate, not as low as I didn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not a cross country runner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's to get my heart rate under control and, um, have it be a predictable movement. Exactly. Okay. That's okay. Thank you for saying like that. Cause that's kind of what I was trying to get to. I was curious, like, do you do that and then actually pay attention to it? And it sounds like you do really understand it so then i guess in so so let's go actually go back to the olympics because i kind of want to tie it in the, uh, to a question that i asked so you qualify for the olympics you go what like what was that whole experience like like the opening ceremonies I, i've heard for the 2016 games i know you guys went down to rio to mm -hmm. get all your swag and like showing up with no suitcases and leaving with four or whatever it ended up yeah, being. Yeah. like tell us all about that and kind of what you really got out of it before actually competing and just kind of the spectacle of understanding like you're at the Olympics. You know, it was, um, I didn't know what to expect because, you know, people would say like, this is what the Olympics are like, blah, blah. And for me, it, it didn't really click until, um, really until I got off the plane in Rio. And, uh, you know, at that point we got all of our swag, we got all of our stuff and we're, we're decked down USA gear. It's like, yeah, cool. Got our stuff on. And, um, and then once we got onto the buses, we went over to the Olympic village Oops, excuse me. Um, and we we rolled we rolled up in there, and it was it was huge. I mean, there was it was a massive complex. I mean, there was like 40, 50 buildings that were 30, 40 stories high, and it was just for people to live in. Um, and we we looked up. It was just it was great. We were, we had a great mountain in the in the background. When we finally got up to our rooms, we had a beautiful view of the city. Um, and it was like, wow, this is this is a great location. I feel like I'm important i guess and then as we you know we we're like oh let's go eat because we're jet lights so we went downstairs we went down to the dining hall and it is literally 
it was it was literally a mile long cafeteria and you could just go and eat food that's just it was free they had Not all bad. yeah it was great I mean, you know the food wasn't as good but it was free food and there was yeah. plenty of it <laughs> yeah and that was very cool and then once we just just sitting there and this is probably when it really hit me like i i looked over and i saw the um argentinian basketball team and i'm like okay that's a big deal and i looked over there and i saw the usa swim, swimming guys and i looked over there and there's some more famous people and it's like just looking around it's like oh, oh my god you know i'm literally in the epitome of sport and this is this is the accumulation of years of training and i'm here hanging out this is cool this is and, cool and with you being such a mental guy it seems like and really being in tune with that side of yourself what like what was that like realizing like i am literally one of the best in the world in my country as you said you always wanted to serve your country that was always important to you and give back mm -hmm. like what was that like i mean i understand like when that it finally hit you but then what was it realizing i'm here for a reason i'm here to do something i'm here to to represent my country and be one of the best in the world at something and we, we chose you to do it. Like, what was that realization realization like? Um, you know, it was like, a, it felt like that was what I was meant to do. You know, it's like uh, my, my family, both my parents, my brother, uh, extended family, they all represented their country. And for me, doing it through this sport is my own way of achieving that goal. And when I kind of got a taste of that when I made the Olympic team, but then when I was surrounded by the, Olympic members of the team as we're getting on the buses to go to um, opening ceremonies and they call us out into the, into the field. That's when it really hit. Like I, I was meant to be here or not meant to be here, but I earned my spot here. I, I have proven that I can do this. Um, and I have the skills necessary to be successful in this thing. They're all of a sudden like the doubt went away and moved in a lot more logical thinking, confidence, whatever. Um, and you know, I didn't, I finished 21st. I made mistakes and I'll admit that. And if I were to think about those mistakes again, they would have been solved just by me just putting the gun down and waiting about three seconds, picking it back up and just starting over. But that's part of that mental fortitude thing where it's like, how was I mature enough at the time, blah, blah. Um, and maybe there's, well, hmm. but anyways, it was, um, sitting in the cafeteria or going to the opening ceremonies, competing with my teammates, whatever. It was just an incredible experience. And it felt like it was fulfilling for me because I got to wear the American flag out onto, onto the field. And um, I got to have USA on my back as I did it. So that was, that was really cool for me. That is awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a cool, cool experience that you guys get to have. And I mean, I only can vicariously live through you and I'm sure 99.9% .9 of the audience listening to this can let vicariously live through you. And you did a great job at really, really giving us awesome details on exactly what that was like. So actually now let's go to the competition itself. As you said, 21st, not your best showing, not the best. You made some mistakes. It is what it is. Do you think it was the stage that kind of didn't help you like was it because because so, uh, just to preface this question i'm sorry so there's usually two camps i've found when talking to olympic athletes it's one it's you realize it's the olympics and you 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 really take advantage of it and you say this is the olympics and i'm going to do what i'm going to do and other the other camp seems to be this is i've done this a million times this is just another event who the heck cares if there's a billion people watching me right now i'm going to go out and do my thing um 
did you fall into one of those two camps or, or maybe partially into one of those two? Uh, definitely the first one. Yeah. You know, I woke up that morning and I was like, like, man, I'm excited. This is, this is cool. I'm, I can feel myself ready to, to go off and do this thing. And, um, you know, in my sport, when you get your energy level or your arousal level high, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing. Cause my, I was like hyper-focused. I was, mm-hmm. my heart rate is a little bit higher. I got overly excited. Um, and so when I got onto the field, I was like, Oh man, this is so cool. And I started shooting ciders, you know, that was normal. That's cool. And then as soon as they said match firing start, you have an hour, 15 minutes to shoot 60 shots. And you look to the stands and there's just cameras everywhere and people were capturing every moment that you were shooting. Um, whether if you had a good or a bad shot, they'd be like, Oh wow. And there is, you know, you never see that in the United States. So I wasn't prepared for that part of it. But, um, but no, it's definitely like, this is the Olympics. I'm going to ride this motivation wave through this. So, yeah. Yeah. I could, I, I really, I, I mean, I would have had to done the same thing. And, and the question I was going to ask, and you kind of already answered it a little bit before was when you were shooting, and, and being so aware of your heartbeat, did you notice the significant increase in, in kind of realizing and kind of almost maybe being nervous a little bit while out there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely, um, it definitely was, you know, in our sport, in all shooting sports, they're purely offense. So you're only ever going to gain points. Nobody is ever going to do something that'll cause you to lose points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my mind, it was like, okay, you're always going to be on offense. And when that match started, I moved to a very defensive, <clears throat> excuse me, very defensive mindset where it was, I was afraid to make mistakes and I wasn't, I was afraid to, I was going against a lot of the things that I prepared for. And I didn't, it was kind of like human nature kind of thing. You know, I didn't, I didn't really understand why I was doing it. And honestly, two years later, I don't really know why. Um, but it just kind of felt like I just want to be comfortable. I want to do well and I don't want to make mistakes. And a part of that defensive protective mindset, I was too careful and I did make mistakes because of that. Whether it's like, I was waiting for my hold to settle down. It's like, okay, this is great. Now take the shot. And then all of a sudden, just in that one little split second, it moved or something happened. And I just lost a few points there. Um, does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I could completely understand. And, and again, finishing 21st, obviously, as you said, isn't, isn't the best and it's, it's, you've made mistakes, but as you were alluding to before, the difference between 10th and 21st was probably an extremely slim margin. It sounds it was, like, so it's not yeah. like, I mean, in such a competitive sport, obviously there has to be one through 30 or one through however many. Um, and it's unfortunate you ended up towards, um, the, the position you did, but at the same time being that close to the top 10, being that close to the top five, maybe the top three is probably also, um, very motivating to think about. And is that correct? Yes. You know, I'm a big believer in that things happen for a reason. And, um, you know, I came off the firing line and I, and I knew I wasn't going to make the final cause I knew just the, the scores were just going to be better than what I did. It's like, you know, fair enough. I didn't do as well, but to me it was very motivating. Like, I want to be back in the same position in more than just one event and I want to perform better. And that's just flat out what my goal is. And, um, and that's, yeah, that's, that was all inspired by me existing in that, in that time. So like if I were to make the Olympic final, I have no idea where I would be right now. If I want a medal, I have no idea if I'd even still be doing this, but there's still parts of me that I want to pursue through sport. And so I want to kind of, and I think I'm going to get that on this journey to 2020 or beyond. 
And let's just go with that then. 2020 is uh, only a couple years away as of recording. Um, what, what, what exactly you, so I know you, you said you moved out to Colorado Springs. Now I'm assuming the training center out there, um, yep. utilizing that being on the, the U S national team, being on the Olympic, the previous Olympic team, what exactly do you think? And, and something tells me, you know, exactly what you're doing day by day, night by night at this point. But, you know, tell us, I guess, a little bit about your training, about what you're doing to get ready and how, um, you'll put yourself in a good position for 2020. Sure. Um, so I'm still young. I'm still learning as I go along. And when I moved out here, I started training kind of like how I would in college. And I got a little bit better because of range availability and stuff like that. But as time went on and I started changing jobs, I started pursuing more time on the range. I didn't know how to deal with that. Um, and, but most recently, um, I really discovered that it's just, it's just about technique. It's about technique and how you develop those skills and how, and your just your own ability to apply them. And so when I'm looking at my international competitors, I'm looking at people who are training 35 to 40 hours a week just behind the gun shooting, let alone doing mental training or workouts or ammo testing or anything else. Um, I know they're doing more than I am. So when I'm, so what I'm doing now is I'm putting more time into I guess the visualization part of it. So I'll go and train from 7.30 in the morning to noon and then I'll go work out afterwards and then I'll come back and then I'll start coaching kids online telling like, here's what I did today. Here's what I think you should be doing. Let's have a discussion about it. You know, so I get this in my own way, I can give back to the community, but it also reinforces, keeps all this information um, fresh, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then just continuously thinking about it. I mean, what, um, one of the quotes I've, I've tried to live by is, um, the best way to learn is to teach, right? Cause you'll yep. hear questions that you've never thought of before. You'll be able to describe things in ways that are as simple as possible for whomever you're talking to. So I really like that. Um, that is great, man. And of course, Lucas, we are crossing our fingers for you to get there in 2020. I mean, obviously you. you did it at such a young age in 2020, um, in 2016. I mean, this was two years ago now. So you were what, like, 21 years old. I mean, hopefully yeah, I just turned 21. Exactly. Yeah. So hopefully a couple of years of, um, extra experience and, and doing what you're doing on top of it. And, um, and being able to almost leave school and so solely focus on one thing I think could be really important. So, um, thank you for that. We sincerely appreciate it. And the last topic I do want to discuss mm -hmm. is the monetary aspects of shooting, maybe specifically yep. your sport, specifically being a male Olympic athlete, whatever you'd like to talk about. Obviously, we're not asking, you know, dollars and cents what you made, but just giving us a good understanding of what it's like um, and what you need either from or, or what you get from your country or from sponsors or whomever to make sure that you can be competing at this elite level where you can do all the things you need to do without having to, um, you know, I don't want to say beg for money, but for lack of a better term, uh, that's really all I can come up with right now. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, you know, I, I won't, each sport handles their own things. Absolutely. hundred percent, hundred percent. And we're, yeah. we're looking for your point of view and kind of what you've experienced. So I'm sorry if that was not clear enough. Okay. Yeah. Um, for, so for USA shooting, um, there's two sources of support. Um, or two main sources of support. So the first one is, and this is only because I live here and I live off campus and I train at the OTC, I get a stipend. Uh, it's not a lot, but it's just a, you know, it's a little bit of monetary money to help get us by. Um, it's like a couple hundred bucks. And there's another, um, and this is the majority of it. It's called direct, direct athlete support. 
And so that is support given from the USOC to give to USA shooting athletes. And so depending on what tier you're in, and these tiers are divided up by different skill levels. So like I'm the, I'm the bottom tier, I guess, because I am the, I won Olympic trials, but I have not excelled overseas. I've not won a quota or I've not won an Olympic medal. So I'm in tier three. So that's like, I don't know what the cash value is, but it's pretty, it's pretty small. Um, but tier two, it's a little bit bigger. It's a couple thousand dollars. And then tier three is the, you know, uh, maybe like five, $6,000. And so the, or sorry, tier one is top tier. And so the tier two people are the ones who are returning world cup medalists. They've been in a final, um, you know, they've, they've shown that progression towards the Olympic gold medal. And then the t- tier one are the people who did medal, bronze, medal, silver, whoever, multi-medalists. Um, they've proven themselves. And so they get a some substantial amount of support from uh, the USOC to continue the, the craft, I guess. Mm-hmm. And does so, it, so, so if you are in the bottom level, even though you won Olympic trials, even though, or United States Olympic trials, even though you went to the games, you were one of X athletes. Well, how many, actually, how many people go to the games? Well, two, two per event, maximum. Two per event. So you were one of two people in a specific event for our country representing us. And you're yep. still in that third level. I, I personally think that that's ridiculous and it makes zero sense to me. Um, yep. You maybe being a little bit closer, have a different opinion, but Hey, that's just my opinion. It is what it is. So it, doesn't sound like you make enough money and I don't mean to assume or anything, but clearly um, being on the bottom tier, not, you know, not really receiving the support you you deserve. What do you have to do on the side to make sure that you can train? You can, I mean, I'm sure the equipment's very expensive. Rounds of ammo is not Mm -hmm. cheap. Um, And, you know, having to do that, you know, as we were talking about before that, that uh, the kid from China was shooting how many rounds a day, how many rounds a year. So, you know, clearly it goes a lot into it. So what do you have to do to make sure that you're making enough money to be able to train and, and get everything that you need at such an elite level? Um, well, there's, there are other ways of getting support. So um, USA Shooting has a very unique agreement with an ammunition uh, company called Ely. They are based out of Great Britain. And they've, they're one of the, I guess, one of the top three companies in the world for selling ammunition. Okay. And they give us oodles of bullets every year. And so when you're looking at how expensive 22 ammo is um, and then the specialized version of what we're shooting, uh, that, that ammunition stacks up pretty quickly. So um, me having that, um, that resource here mm-hmm. helps me immensely. And, um, you know, some companies, they'll give you free stuff, whether it's like, here's a gun, here's a discounted suit, here's discounted this. And they want you to succeed because they want you to boast about their brand. Mm-hmm. And so it's not really sponsorships, but they give, but they give um, packages out and say, hey, go win with this and go post it on Facebook or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the, you know, the other side of it, sometimes companies do reach out for sponsorships or whatever. So um, like right now, I'm, I'm sponsored by Turbo Rimfire Actions. And so they give me an American gun to shoot with. And so I'm the only... Like at World Championships the other um, the other week, last week, I shot with I was the only person with a turbo rifle at that competition between hundreds of people. Um, but they pay me or not pay me, but they give me resources to um, to represent them internationally because they're a new company. They're only a few years old, but they say we want to have a top tier gun and we want you to perform with it. Like, okay, I'll do that. And so that's that's my agreement with them is that they give me resources. I go do I go represent their their brand. So. 
Very yeah. cool. So it sounds like you have a couple of sponsors. Um, doesn't sound like they're of the monetary type, but at the same time, free stuff is, I mean, it would have cost you money anyway. So it kind of is yep. um, in a sense. And um, so do you, do you have a job or anything that you kind of to, again, just make it, you need, still need money to eat food, right? So, yep. um, so do you have a job or anything that you do just to uh, make sure you're making enough money for you and your fiance um, to become, you know, just also normal people? Yeah. And, um, I've gone through a few jobs since I've been out here in Colorado Springs. And, uh, the first job that I had was with the company called durable life skills. And I was just using my degree, running a recreation program for adults, with autism, very rewarding. Uh, the reason I moved away from that was just time constraints, you know, people with disabilities need consistency and I wasn't able to be there all the time. Um, and that was, I couldn't make it work, unfortunately, but I still keep in touch with them every once in a while. Um, during that time when I was working for DLS, um, I would coach kids on the side. And so local kids be, would message me on Facebook and said, Hey, if you're free this weekend, I'd like to pay you for your time and just get a second opinion on a bunch of stuff. It's like, okay, cool. And, um, I started doing that. And then eventually I started working with about half a dozen kids and then people from across the country started reaching out and said, Hey, do you do stuff remotely? I heard people from Colorado Springs really like what you're doing. It's so like, Oh, well, this is you know, this is pretty neat. I can think about it. And so then one of my teammates suggested like, Hey, you should start a business. This would be a really cool way for you to put, like create a brand, you know, for like really establish something for after shooting. And, you know, I'll take a sidestep from that for a second. When we're, when people are pursuing the Olympics, they put so much time and effort into their sport that sometimes they put their lives on hold. And so that's kind of one of the biggest hesitations for doing this is you spend four years and you don't make it. That's four years of your life that are now gone and you don't have a whole lot to say for it because we don't get a whole lot of support from um, different national governing bodies, depending on how they divvy up, divvy up their money or there's no money to be made in the sports. So it's, I had to find a no, my own way to really set up something for myself and so me starting up a business with um, my colleague really started um, that, that was able to check that box for me. Like I can start a career doing this. And so, um, and since then I've been all over the country hosting camps. Um, I'll coach kids online and I'll coach kids who some, some people will say, Hey, I want to come out to Colorado Springs. I want to work with you for two days. I'm like, great, let's do it. And so they'll come up, they'll get, um, they'll get time here at the, one of the biggest venues in the world. Um, and it's very important for national team selection. So they kind of get an edge up on their competitors. Um, and so in my way, it checks a couple boxes. It's, I get to reinforce all the information I'm doing and learning, and I get to have sports specific conversations with these kids and adults. I, um, I get to start a career. That's a big thing. Get to make a couple dollars. Yep. And then, um, I get to give back to, I get to give back to the sport. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's really one of the big things I love giving back and, um, and, uh, just seeing other people succeed. Um, and I'm sure like for anybody who would be listening to this podcast, if they're a coach or a parent watching somebody young, figure it out. And there's a difference between doing it and they're like, Oh, I just two plus two is actually four. And I get it. You know, that is, mm -hmm. that is satisfying. That is really cool. Mm -hmm. so that's, mm -hmm. that's one of my passions is just giving back and watching these young kids and adults figure it out. Like, mm, that is cool. I like you. I like you being successful.
That's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, as you said, you're checking off boxes. It's a win-win, win-win, win-win-win situation when everyone's happy, when everyone can succeed and keep moving forward. That's always a very significant thing. Um, and I'm really happy for you that you're able to, uh, to, I guess, for lack of a better term, figure it out um, because it yeah. does sound like something that now you'll be able to utilize moving forward. Um, you'll still be able to stay where you are and do what you're doing and do what you love. Um, now on multiple fronts. And as we were alluding to before, hopefully you're making enough money that you can, you know, get the exact training and nutrition and, and coaching and everything that you need um, at such an elite level. But what's the name of your brand, man? You didn't even tell us. It's called Team Winning Solutions, LLC. You got a, you got an Instagram. We got a Facebook love it. page. Um, and it's, it's not, it's not really my brand. What I'm working on building it into is a, an idea that for people to relate to. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, a lot of the people that I work with, they're remote. They, they're by themselves training, um, their parents fundraise or fundraise for them or whatever. Um, and they don't have a lot of coaching or they don't have any, um, and I want to give them that necessary resources to succeed. And every single kid that I work with has a disclaimer. It's, you're going to be successful because of you. I am merely a resource. I'm not going to claim anything that you do because ultimately you're going to be the one pulling the trigger. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be like, yes, that's awesome. That is really cool. I'm glad I was able to help them out. But ultimately, it's, it's really them. Um, and, I, and part of that is I'm sifting through kids who want to be Oh, I want to participate and I want to make friends. That's super neat. And there's the kids who go, okay, I want to win. And the, the athlete part of it, and I'm sifting through and I'm finding those kids who want to win. It's like, okay, these are going to be great collegiate athletes. These are going to be the ones I'm eventually going to be competing against. Um, and I want to foster their growth and help them get to where they want to be quicker. Cause it took me a long time to get to where I was. You know, it was, it was really seven years before I really figured it out. And um, if I could help somebody spend five years instead of seven, you know, mission accomplished. That's great. Love it. Get them from point B to point K just a little bit faster. And yeah. uh, it's very worth their time. It's worth your time. Obviously you love giving back. I really, really like that about you and what you've been able to do. So that is incredible team winning solutions. Don't worry. Everything will be in the show notes. I promise you that. Um, awesome. <laughs> so Lucas, uh, this was a absolutely fantastic conversation about an hour long. I had a blast. You're a really smart guy. I really like the way you think, really like the way you do things and really, um, handle your life. Um, but as well as handle, handle your sport. I think that's really incredible. So one more time. Oh man, it's been so long since I said your last name. I'm sorry. Lucas Kaczynski. Boom. Got it. Got it. Good stuff. USA yeah. shooting discipline, rifle, Olympic athlete, 2020 hopeful crossing my fingers i'll say expected you can say you know you do your thing but appreciate it man thank you so much for joining us today i appreciate it thank you thank you thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of our athletes this one with lucas kaczynski as i said very interesting learning about a sport that i don't know too much about is always a more enjoyable on my end just to hear and understand some of the things that these olympic athletes are going through because i'm gonna root for them right they're wearing the the stars and stripes uh, red white and blue so it doesn't matter what sport they're in, who they are. I'm going to root for them no matter what. So it's just cool getting to hear their stories, learn more about their sports. So if you guys don't mind, please rate, review, comment, share, like, um, anything really. Give me some feedback. I would always love feedback. Just want to improve every single day, right? Um, tell your friends about it because I do believe our Olympic athletes do deserve more recognition for everything they do on a daily basis. So thank you guys so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. <laughs>